Hello and welcome to Rooted and Unwithered. I'm Cole Newton, and the following is a continuation of our monthly series called Dead Men Preaching, in which every month we are bringing a sermon from church history into the present and into your ears. So the following sermon is from the Puritan Thomas Watson, and it is from his book, A Body of Divinity, in which he did a, a weekly preaching series through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And you can get A Body of Divinity in three volumes. The first is called A Body of Divinity. The second is on the Ten Commandments. And the third is on the Lord's Prayer from Banner of Truth Trust. Um, and the hard covers, as always, from Banner of Truth are awesome to hold. And the content is even more awesome to read. And so uh, this is the very first sermon that Watson preached, uh, and it is called A Preliminary Discourse to Catechizing. So this is Watson giving his reason for uh, for teaching through the Westminster Catechism and kind of giving a defense for catechisms in general. And so it's based in Colossians 1, verse 23, which says, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled. So here is Thomas Watson. Intending next Lord's Day to enter upon the work of catechizing, I will, it will not be amiss to give you a preliminary discourse to show you how needful it is for Christians to be well instructed in the grounds of religion, <clears throat> if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. So there's two main points here. One, it is a duty of Christians to be settled in the doctrine of faith, and two, the best way for Christians to be settled is to be well grounded. So first, it is the duty of Christians to be settled in the doctrine of faith. It is the Apostles' Prayer, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the God of all grace establish, strengthen, and settle you. That is, that they might not be meteors in the air, but fixed stars. The Apostle Jude speaks of wandering stars in verse 13. They are called wandering stars because, as Aristotle says, they do leap up and down and wander into several parts of heaven, and being but dry exhalations, not made of that pure celestial matter as the fixed stars are, they often fall to the earth. Now, such as are not settled in religion will at one time or other prove wandering stars. They will lose their former steadfastness and wander from one opinion to another. Such as are unsettled are the tribe of Reuben, unstable as water, as Genesis 49 verse 9 says, like a ship without ballast, overturned with every wind of doctrine. Beza writes of one Belfectius that his religion changed as the moon. The Arians had, an, had every year a new faith. These are not pillars in the temple of God, but reeds shaken every way. The apostle calls them damnable heresies in 2 Peter 2, 2. A man may go to hell as well for heresy as adultery. To be unsettled in religion argues want of judgment. If their heads are not giddy, men would not reel so fast from one opinion to another. It argues lightness. As feathers will be blown every way, so will featherly Christians. Therefore, such are compared to children in Ephesians 4, verse 4. What, that, we will be, that we will no more be children tossed to and fro. Children are fickle sometimes of one mind, sometimes of another. Nothing pleases them long. So unsettled Christians are childish. The truths they embrace at one time they reject at another, and sometimes they like the Protestant religion, and soon after they have good mind to turn papists. 
It is the end of the word preached to bring us into a settlement in religion. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, And he gave some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. The word is called a hammer. Jeremiah 23, 39. Every blow of the hammer is a fasten the nail of the buildings. So the preacher's words are to fasten you the more to Christ. They weaken themselves to strengthen and settle you. This is the grand design of preaching, not only for the enlightening, but for the establishing of souls, not only to guide them in the right way, but to keep them in it. Now, if you be not settled... You do not answer God's end in giving you the ministry. To be settled in religion is both a Christian's excellence and honor. It is his excellence. When the milk is settled, it turns to cream. Now he will be zealous for truth and walk in close communion with God. And his honor, Proverbs 16, the hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. It is one of the best sights to see an old disciple, to see silver hairs adorned with golden virtues. Such as are settled in the faith can never suffer for it. Skeptics in religion hardly ever prove martyrs. They that are not settled hang in suspense. When they think of the joys of heaven, they will espouse the gospel, but when they think of persecution, they desert it. Unsettled Christians do not consult what is best, but what is safest. The apostate, says Tertullian, seems to put God and Satan in balance and having weighed both of their services, prefers the devil's service and proclaims to him him to be the best master. And in this sense, may be said to put Christ to open shame, as Hebrews 6, 6 says. We will ne- he will never suffer for the truth, but be as a soldier that leaves his colors and runs to the enemy's side. He will fight on the devil's side for pay. Not to be settled in the faith is provoking to God. To espouse the truth and then to fall away brings an ill report upon the gospel which will not go unpunished. They turned back and dealt unfaithfully. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. As Psalm 78 says, the apostate drops as a windfall into the devil's mouth. If ye are not settled in religion, you will never grow. We are commanded to grow up into the head, even Christ, as Ephesians 4.15 says. But if we are unsettled, there is no growing. The plant which is continually removed never thrives. He can no more grow in godliness who is unsettled than a bone can grow in the body that is out of joint. There's great need to be settled because there are so many things to unsettle us. Seducers are abroad whose work is to draw many people away from the principles of religion, 1 John 2. These things I have written to you concerning them that seduce you. Seducers are the devil's factors. They are, all, they are of all others the greatest felons that would rob you of the truth. Seducers have silver tongues that can put off bad wares. They have a slight to deceive, Ephesians 4, 14. The Greek word here is taken from those that can throw dice and cast them for the best advantage. So seducers are imposters. They can throw a dice. They can so dissemble and sophisticate the truth that they can deceive others. Seducers deceive by wisdom of words. Romans 16. By good words, fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. They have fine, elegant phrases, flattering language, whereby they work on the weaker sort. 
Now, another slide is a pretense of extraordinary piety so that some people may admire them and suck in their doctrine. They seem to be men of zeal and sanctity and to be divinely inspired and pretend to new revelations. A third kind of seducers is laboring to vilify and nullify sound orthodox teachers. They would eclipse those who bring the truth like black vapors that darken the flight of heaven. They would defame others that they themselves may be more admired. Thus the false teacher cried down Paul that they might be received. Galatians 4.17 The fourth cheat of seducers is to preach the doctrine of liberty as though men are freed from the moral law, the rule as well as the curse, and Christ has done all for them and they need to do nothing. Thus they make the doctrine of free grace a key to open the door to all licentiousness. Another means is to unsettle Christians by persecutions. 2 Timothy 3.12 The gospel is a rose which cannot be plucked without prickles. The legacy Christ has bequeathed is the cross. While there is a devil and a wicked man in the world, never expect a charter of exemption from trouble. How many fall away in the hour of persecution? Revelation 12.2 There appeared a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. The red dragon, by his power and subtlety, drew away stars, or eminent professors, that seemed to shine as stars in the firmament of the church. To be unsettled in good is the sin of the devils. Jude 6. They're called morning stars. Job 38.8. But falling stars, they were holy but mutable. As the vessel is overturned with the sail, so their sails being swelled with pride, with pride they were overturned. 1 Timothy 3.3, by unsettledness, men imitate lapsed angels. The devil was the first apostate. The sons of Sion must be like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. Now, the second proposition is, by the way for Christians to be settled is to be well-grounded if you continue grounded and settled. The Greek word for grounded is a metaphor which alludes to a building that has foundations well laid. <clears throat> so Christians should be grounded in the essential points of religion and have their foundation well laid. So here let me speak to two things. That we should be grounded in the knowledge of the fun of fundamentals. The apostle speaks of the first principles of the oracles of God in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. In all arts and science, logic, physics, mathematics, here are some of the precognita, some rules and principles that must be necessarily be known for the practice of those arts. So in divinity, there must be the first principles laid down. The knowledge of grounds and principles of religion is exceedingly useful. So first, else we cannot serve God aright. We can never worship God acceptably unless we worship him regularly. And how can we do that if we are ignorant of the rules and the elements of religion? We are to give God a reasonable service, as Romans 12.2 says. If we understand not the grounds of religion, how can it be a reasonable service? Or two, the knowledge of grounds of religion much enriches the mind. It is a lamp to our feet. It directs us in the whole course of Christianity as the eye directs the body. Knowledge of the fundamentals is the golden key that opens the chief mysteries of religion. It gives us a whole system and body of divinity exactly drawn in all its liniments and lively colors. It helps us to understand many of those difficult things which occur in the reading of the word, and it helps to untie many scripture knots. Three, it furnishes us with armor of proof, weapons to fight against the adversaries of the truth. And four, 
It is the holy seed of which grace is formed. It is the seed of faith. It is the root of love. And as Ephesians 3.17 says, being rooted and grounded in love. The knowledge of principles conduces to making a complete Christian. So this grounding is the best way to be settled, rooted, grounded, and settled. A tree that may be well settled must be well rooted. So if you would be well settled in religion, you must be rooted in its principles. We read in Plutarch of one who set up a dead man, and he would not stand. Oh, said he, there should be something within so that we may stand in shaking times, there must be a principle of knowledge within, first grounded and then settled. That the ship may be kept from overturning, it must have its anchor fastened. Knowledge of principles is to the soul as an anchor to the ship that holds it steady in the midst of the rolling waves of error or the violent winds of persecution, first grounded, then settled. Use one. See, the reason why so many people are unsettled ready to embrace every novel opinion and dress themselves in as many religions as fashions, it is because they are ungrounded. See how the apostle joins these two together, unlearned and unstable in 2 Peter 3.16. Such are the unlearned in the main points of divinity are unstable. As the body cannot be strong that has the sinews shrunk, so neither can a Christian be strong in religion who wants the grounds of knowledge, which are the sinews to strengthen and establish him. Used to. See what great necessity there is in laying down the main grounds of religion in a way of catechizing, that the weakest judgment may be instructed in the knowledge of truth and strengthened in the love of it. Catechizing is the best expedient for the grounding and settling of people. I fear one reason why there has been no more good done by preaching has been because the chief heads and articles in religion have not been explained in a catechistical way. Catechizing is laying the foundation. Hebrews 6.6 To preach and not to catechize is to build without foundation. This way of catechizing is not novel. It is apostolic. The primitive church had their forms of of catechism, as the phrases imply a form of sound words in 2 Timothy 1.13, and the principles of the oracles of God in Hebrews 5. The church had its catechumenoi, as Grotius and Erasmus observe. Many of their ancient fathers have written it as Fulgentius, Austin, Theodoret, Lactantius, and others. God has given great success by it. Thus, laying down the grounds of religion catechistically, Christians have been clearly instructed and wondrously built up in the Christian faith, insomuch that Julian, the apostate, seeing the great success of catechizing, put down all schools and places of public literature and instructing of youth. So it is my design, therefore, with the blessing of God, to begin this work of catechizing the next Sabbath day. I intend every other Sabbath in the afternoon to make it my whole work to lay the grounds and fundamentals of religion in a catechistical way. If I am hindered in this work by men or taken by death, I hope God will raise up some other laborer in the vineyard among you that may perfect the work which I am now beginning. Thank you so much for listening. For more resources for knowing and loving God's word, please visit bcnewton.co. And until next time, grace and peace.